Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. I had a mouthful of Diet Coke when it was my turn to say (laughs) Matt Henry. Go ahead. You pulled it off. All right, guys. Grab, grab it to get it in there, didn't you? Grab your kids, grab your friends. We're talking about Satan. (laughs) Let's do it. Oh my! All right, <laughs> it's one of those nights. Um, yes, we nights. are still talking about Satan. It's actually seven thirty in the morning when this releases, so it's one. Yeah, well, it's not that time right now. Um, so we last time covered the names and titles of Satan, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's important? Uh, would be to understand about the biblical designation of Satan is that none of them are actually formal names. And we make a big deal of it, but it is a big deal. Um, the reason is that he's not even a, a, a creature that's worthy of a name. He's not shown that honor in the Bible. Instead, he's that great enemy of God, the mission to glorify his name. Uh, and so the, uh, he's the enemy of God and the mission of glorifying the name of God. He, he, he's against that. So the Bible never gives that formal name. Um, it's everything about him in the Bible is a designation that describes his character or his purpose, right? So he's the adversary, the deceiver, and the one uh, who is very much opposed to God. And so from there, we're going to build on that lovely picture of our friend Satan and deal with his career. Yeah, and his program. But first, his career. Aren't you doing that? Yeah. Um, but you, you, you <laughs> know, right, you fine, gotta, you gotta it, finish so. the, uh, okay, never mind. Um, I didn't finish his oh. career and program. Oh, I just skipped that whole point and just went to the bold. Uh, gotcha. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to give a little outline of his career here. Um, and program. <laughs> okay. So, uh, his, in, in, so let's talk first about his past. That is his pre fall state. Um, well, it begins with the fact that he was created um, Satan is simply a spirit being. We know this. Um, and as a result, he's, he's been created. Um, we're not going to repeat all the passages. Um, <laughs> Lane is blowing her nose. It's cold season, folks. Take your vitamin C. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> no one needs to hear about it. Well, I think they just did. Oh, no. Embarrassing. <laughs> So Satan um, is is he's God. I hate doing these things. I quit podcasting. I it was fun days, I would say. Yeah, it was a good run. See ya. <laughs> All right. Like a chair. <laughs> like a chair. All right, man. I'm stepping in. Mark, here's a free chair for you. The episodes go down to like five minutes. Yep. <laughs> they hey, just contain a story about. Oh, never mind. Um, okay, so Satan. Satan. Uh, Satan is a spirit being, and so he's been created. And we talked about this when we did angels. So we're not going to repeat all this. Um, but to uh, suffice to say, with with this point. Um, 
that because he's a created creature, he exists and has his existence under God. Which is huge. Yeah. Um, th- so there, there's also no dualism here. Um, there, there's not a true battle between God and the devil. You never see that in scripture. Um, rather, God rules over him in omnipotent power. Um, the devil submits to him. In fact, as you just read through the book of Job, uh, you see that the devil actually has to seek permission or he's given permission by God to go and uh, assault Job. Um, so also, he, uh, I think the only time that God and Satan interact is in Revelation, right? At the end, where Satan I guess, I guess is, be right, yeah. is let out of the abyss. He gathers the nations to go against Christ. Um, and then there's not even a battle. Yeah, and so it's like going to be this, whoa, this is a battle. And it says, and fire came down from heaven. <laughs> and you're like, I guess we're done here. <laughs> God wins. Yeah. yeah. Um, his his nature um, was like other morally responsible created beings. Um, again, we saw that when we covered the category, uh, that moral category when we talked about angels. Um, but the point to understand with this one is the devil in his pre-fall state was not yet tested. Um, he was he was created holy in the sense that he was made to be, um, or that he was made by the holy God and for God's holy purposes. Um, we now know what his purpose was, uh, of course, but presumably there was a time in which he was sinless. Uh, he had not yet fallen. And again, he was simply untested in that fallen state. And so mm. he not much different than Adam and Eve and Adam mm. and Eve in the garden. I mean, yeah. they were created not perfect, but they were created innocent, right. but they had not yet been tested. So they had not yet fallen. And so there's no revelation on some things, right? We just have to accept right. that. Uh, the Bible is quiet about it during this time. We're calling the pre-fall existence. Um, we don't know his position. There's all kinds of speculation, but yeah. the reality is we don't know. Um, there's also no mention of the length of this period. We, we assume it's short. Right. Um, we know that the angels were present at creation, that Job says they sang for joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you're like us and you take a literal creation, six mm-hmm. days, and then shortly thereafter, at some point, something happened because you see the temptation. Yeah. Um, and then you have Satan's moral fall terminating, obviously, the pre-fall period. <laughs> I mean, that's... How, how brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my mind. <laughs> when, did the, when did the pre-fall end? Well, when he fell, right? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, he, okay, his... That's gosh, good. That was a Mark-ism. Uh, All right, his deception... <laughs> wow, you just got a dirty look from Mark. Well, um, his deception of, of Eve um, was perhaps his first outward sin. Um, it may not have been, but in terms of the biblical data, we have no reason to think otherwise. Um, when was he judged by God? Well, um, you got two things in this. Perhaps after his pride, um, which would have been an inward sin. Uh, we don't have any biblical data on that, but it's it's implied that pride must have been the cause of his fall. Right. But, but did he fall because of the pride or did the pride lead him to some kind of action like deceiving? Right. We don't know. And well, and it's worth saying this to everyone. There's a lot we don't know, and we're trying to be faithful with, here's some things, but we can only go so far because we don't know. Right. Um, so again, the second one would be, perhaps it, perhaps it was at his deception of Eve, as you see in Genesis 3. Again, there's no overt mention that he fell before that, but again, we don't know. Um, 
in fact, note, note here that his, his judgment and ultimate doom um, were strongly affirmed in connection with Christ's first coming and sacrificial death. Uh, so you want to read Luke 10? The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject, subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Yeah, and then John twelve thirty one. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Okay, so Jesus in that Luke passage is talking about potentially the fall of Satan. Um, so we got into a little discussion about that because then you, you brought up First Timothy three. Well, yeah. Then there's the First Timothy three six passage. Um, yeah, you want to? Well, yeah. So here he's talking about the qualifications of an elder. Um, something I just was going through with our church, um, and and it says, and he is to not be a new convert, lest he become conceited and then fall into the condemnation incurred by the the devil. And so the whole idea is that he fell. Um, but he appeared to be holy before he was tested. And so when it comes to elders, what the relationship with elders is that um, this is something that we should be contemplating, we should be keeping in mind before we bring people into uh, the role of pastor. I, in fact, I, th I think in some ways with most of our listeners, pastor would be a better word to use than elder because a lot of times people think of an elder, but they'll have no problem having a 22-year-old be their pastor. Sure. Weren't you telling me about some pastor um, who he became the pastor of the church at 15? H.B. Uh, oh, Charles, what? wasn't H.B. Charles, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And mm. and it just exhausted him, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, because of the church politics, yeah. Sure, sure. But I mean, he had no, he shouldn't have been that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's a, he's a solid, solid guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, phenomenal yeah. guy. But yeah, he came into his pastorate at like 15. And they told him, you can't do anything except preach. So you're not allowed to be involved in any admin stuff. You can't make decisions. You can't do anything related huh. to vision. You're just to preach. But he was hired as the pastor, the senior pastor. Wow. Um, but that shows the, the lack of understanding that a pastor is an elder and an elder is a pastor. Right. It's just a complete confusion. But, yeah. you know, you want to be very slow to bring a young man who may, might be wonderfully gifted or charismatic in his personality and and bring him into the position of a pastor because of this passage. Um, he can become conceited mm -hmm. and then fall into this condemnation. Um, a, a, a young pastor is just untested. Right. So, so he might, he might appear godly. I mean, he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's, he's showing a track record of faithfulness but life hasn't kicked him in the teeth. Um, let's just use an example. What's the dude's name that kissed dating goodbye? Oh, um, uh, uh, Josh Harris. Yeah. Josh, yeah, I yeah. always want to say Justin. You know, he was brought in by Mahaney at a very young age. I mm. guess he moved in with Mahaney in his teens. Mm. You know, and there's a really good example. Not only, I mean, he was brought right into a mega church right. and brought into that position. That's a very simple, easy one to, to yeah. point to. But yeah, all kinds of, you can have all kinds of gifts and skills and abilities, but you're not truly yet been tested yeah. with your faith. Right. And so uh, do you, you end up putting the church in harm when you do that. Uh, but the idea here is that you also put that man in a position to be harmed because mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. You just you can destroy him. Yeah. Because he, you allow him to get himself puffed up and then he falls into the same problem which is what we're actually talking about and that is the same uh condemnation that the devil received himself. Right. Um so that's that's his pre-fall um and then his that was um, a heck of a path a uh, rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> it is what we do. Yes. And, and but it was worthwhile. Sure. Um so then his present state. Okay. Um, you want to sure. <laughs> We're not functioning well here, but that's okay. Um, it begins with this fall. He he now exists in a perpetual state of fallenness. There's no open for redemption, um, and so it's characterized by his walking around on the earth, just like we saw with the angels. He has both access to heaven and earth. Right. So in Job one and two, he has to come to God which means he's in heaven. And as he stands before God, then he begins his speech by telling God that he's just been walking around the earth. So we get both of that. So clearly he has access to both realms. In Ephesians 6, 1 Peter 5, they also talk about the devil prowling about, seeking to Mm -hmm. destroy faith. And the implication is that he still has this access to earth. Right. Um, and and his present state will culminate, and here we're showing a bit of our eschatology yeah, I was again, say. <laughs> uh, will culminate in his being cast to the earth during the tribulation period. And we'll get to that. Sure. Yeah. So so that's his present. And then his future state then, um, well, you got the tribulation um, and actually beginning at the middle of the tribulation. You see this in Revelation 12, uh, 7 through 12. Again, we're giving away eschatology, obviously. Um, we won't read the passage, but he's He's going to be thrown to the earth with his fallen angels, is what the text says. And that time will then terminate in his judgment to the pit. Right. Um, then he's going to endure a millennial imprisonment. Which Revel- is, yeah, right, a thousand years. Yeah. Revelation 20, 1 through 3. Um, he will then experience a temporary release, which you see in 27 through 8. Uh, he will then be eternally consigned after that to the lake of fire. Revelation 20 and verse 10. Um, and so, um, again, that's our eschatology, but regardless, the point to understand is that his fate has been sealed. Um, it's very clear. There's no dualism here. God stands in power over him. And so, as we said, there's not even a battle. Right. Right. So from there, that's his career from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, then there's a survey of basically his program. What's the things that he's doing? And this is, I think, always scary, but a very fascinating survey. Yeah, so, how he works. Yeah, right. he, he's got a program, first yeah. of all. So you have it like in 2 Corinthians 2.11, you have the, the word for schemes. He says, so that uh, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, uh, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And then a different term, uh, methodea, uh, we get the words methods or methodologies mm-hmm. in Ephesians 6.11, he says, put on the full armor of God that you may stand firm against the schemes or the methods yeah. of Satan. So we have two different terms, but they're talking about the fact that he's got a clear plan right. and methods that he works. He so could, the better you understand those, the better you are to stand firm yeah. against them. In other words, he's not just haphazardly trying things. I mean, he's premeditated thought. There's plans, schemes, devising, deception. You ever, you ever read Frank Peretti? Never heard guys, of him. Yeah. That sounds so familiar. Well, you might vaguely have heard. He was really popular during the spiritual warfare movement, and he wrote a book, or uh, several books, but one of them was This Present Darkness. Oh, yeah. And it became, it's a novel, 
It was a badly written novel, much like the Left Behind series was a badly set of novels. And But it's all about spiritual warfare. And so you got, if you're drunk, if you have the eyes that can see the spiritual realm, mm. you would see this demon of drunkenness clinging sure. to the back and blah, blah, blah. And and it was literally used as a textbook on how to do spiritual warfare. Um, and it's like, you have no idea what his methods... I mean, the book literally contradicted clearly what the scripture says is his methods. That's my point sure. you know, in this. So yeah. you, you can read a stupid book like that and say, oh, this is what he does. And you'll be fighting everything other than it. Or you can actually read the word. And God is kind enough to give us these things. So... What are they? Um, well, yeah, so his program in relation to God, number one, he slanders God, and we see that clearly in Genesis 3, 4 through 5. Um, he actively opposes God, and uh, especially as he energizes the Antichrist, we see that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. Um, he counterfeits God in his works, um, and that one is scary. Um, he actually counterfeits God. Again, we, we talked about it last time, but this is the passage where he... Uh, is disguised as an angel of light. Um, there, there will be many, I think, who will stand in shock oh, yeah. on the day of judgment, um, and and many who right now think that they're doing the very will of God, and yet the Bible's clear that the devil is exceedingly active and successful at counterfeiting himself to be God, and that's what's scary about it. Many life decisions are made. Uh, your, I mean, entire um, spiritual movements exist. Um, as a result of people thinking they're hearing from God or doing yep. God's will. Um, and yet how often do we assume, you know, these are great works of God when perhaps they're nothing more than the disguisement of the devil. Is that what that word is? <laughs> Disquisement. Yeah. I was like, I have, I thought it was a new word. Um, okay. Yeah. The disguisement. I'm, I'm tracking with you now. You, um, you you get it's it's kind of like that passage in Matthew seven where he says many will say many on that day will say to me Lord Lord did we not cast out demons prophesy do miracles and he's like depart from me I never knew you I mean just that that and just, what's interesting is he doesn't debate that they did do that yeah yeah right so everyone's like oh look at I can do these great and powers. they did it in the name of Christ right and and it's actually happening yeah so clearly it's God behind this. When the reality is, or but their hearts aren't changed. It's the devil who's right. doing it, and and and, he, and it's so similar here. People who are like, God told me this. And it's like, dude, Satan told you that, and yet you tell them that, and they're offended. You have bad faith. You don't understand. I had this experience. Blah blah blah. And it's like, no, he disguises himself like an angel of light. So you really need to be careful when you step away from the scripture and go into extra biblical revelation that you're not making God guilty of something, then in fact, Satan is at work. Yeah. So how about his program in right. relation to Christ? This is a huge one for him. Um, he's He used various people against uh, Jesus Christ, obviously with Herod. Uh, he stirs up Herod, so he murders the children. Uh, in John 8, he stirs up the cry, uh, crowds. Um, and so uh, Jesus rebukes them and says, you are of your father, the devil. Uh, in, uh, with Peter, um, that where he says, get behind me, Satan, but actually adversary. He was acting in accord with the characteristics of Satan of opposing God. Uh, we see it with Jude, uh, or Judas, not Jude, uh, in John 12, 27. Um, 
pretty much any time someone's opposed to Christ or attempting to snuff out the Messiah, you can basically assume that Satan is behind it. This began all the way back in the beginning of the of, of the Old Testament, right? So you can see it with Pharaoh, with Saul, the opposing armies to Israel. All of these, Satan was always working to kill off the lineage that was through through which the Messiah would come. And I would even argue in Revelation in 17 and 18, he gets into that with the whole issue of the Babylon, the misreligious right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Any place you see that, you see just a satanic work yeah. to destroy. Um, Genesis 6 is another one where the yeah, right. where the sons of God came to the daughters of Trying men. to corrupt the, yep. corrupt the, line. the yeah. bloodline. Yeah. Uh, he also then attempted to make Christ unfit. Um to redeem and to rule. If you want to hear a good series on that, Matt Miller did it on Luke chapter four about the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Um, he comes to Jesus directly in the wilderness temptations, he tries to get Christ to mistrust God, worship him and receive his inheritance of the nations in a way that was not according to God or his father's plan. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, then his, his program in relation to the nations um, and I'll just kind of list these off. He controls them uh, in John twelve thirty one. He deceives the nations, Revelation 23. He will gather the nations from Armageddon, Revelation 16, 13 through 14. And then he will deceive um, the nations again at the end of the millennium, Revelation 20, 7 through 10. So within this age, among among the nations, he's actively working. Yeah. Um, and always then, through deception. Always. Yeah. Uh, so his program them in relationship to Israel is this, he will deceive them to make a covenant with the Antichrist. Uh, a couple of passages, Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 7, um, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11. He's also going to attempt to destroy Israel. Again, that shows up in Revelation 12. I did a whole series of Revelation. If anybody's ever interested, they can just go to our church website and and hear about and and hear us work through those uh, then he also does what what about the unsaved not just the nations but the unsaved yeah in general um, so he has sway over them first John 519 that one's a great one because that's the one where it says that the whole world lies in the lap yeah. of the evil one right. and it's that picture of a child cuddled up in the father's lap comfy oh yeah very very this is where i belong this is my happy spot and that's the world yeah um he he blinds people um to the truth luke 8 12 2 corinthians 4 4 uh he incites men to oppose god's word ephesians 2 2 acts 13 8 through 11 revelation 2 13 and then he also incites um men to sin first john 3 10 through 12. Lovely creature. Yeah. And then what what he does in relationship to those who are the believers, um, he accuses them and he slanders them. We see that in, uh, is that, that J, is that Joshua? Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, no. Uh, let's go with John. <laughs> it's not John. I think it's Joshua. No. Not Joshua. Um, Let's just skip that one. How about just Revelation, Revelation 12, 10. 12, 10. Let's do that one. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, he hinders them. Uh, that's a fascinating passage in First Thessalonians 2.18, how somehow he hindered 
the ministry of Paul, and you're like, yeah. how did you know this time? Because elsewhere he says in another situation, the Spirit of God kept him. And you're like, right. how did you know and what's the difference? And it's like, yeah, but he's in the apostle, so I guess he would know. Yeah. Um, he sows tares among them. Uh, in Matthew 13, 38 to 39, again, we have the mix of unbeliever and believer in the uh, visible church. He incites persecutions against them. This is in Revelation 2.10. Uh, he attempts to defeat them generally in Matthew 16. He's just trying to defeat us. Um, and he also tempts them to sin specifically. And so you see examples in uh, Acts 5.3 with the the lying about the money, yeah. um, or in First Corinthians seven five, um, so there's overt opportunities yeah. to tempt towards sin. So he's a bad dude. Yeah, and I would I would say that he. Well, let's sum summarize. I think you may have it in your. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun my, here. I mistyped notes. Um, so, so yeah, so this is his creator's program. Did you say Miss Typen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I'm really good at making up words. Right? Uh, um, hey, yeah. you just skew uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> how would you say? Mistyped? Yep. Yes. Like, that's how people with English. <laughs> Unless you're Shakespeare, essentially. <laughs> yeah, what would be mistyped? Other than not a word. I mean, what... <laughs> We know how to answer that. <laughs> I, all I know is that Type Google in. Documents doesn't even recognize some of your words to the point that it doesn't Listen, even bother to I speak say. In, I, sple- I speak in the pluperfect. That's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah, the optodub. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, go ahead. <laughs> golly. Um, so, he, uh, so he has one um, great objective. That's what we can gather from this. He, um, he is opposed to God. He is opposed to God's people. And he is opposed to God's mission to glorify his name. Um, as we've been saying, he always works through deception, most often at the point of truth. Um, and so we would be incredibly wise not to assume that things on the surface that appear to be good are necessarily the works of God. Yeah. Um, but so next time, next time we'll talk about his powers and his limitations. One thing I'd add on that is when you say that he always works through deception, that's a subtle concept because... Anywhere, anytime we have weak doctrine, bad doctrine, or false doctrine, um, you see the work of Satan. Right. Um, and you have to understand that. So when you hear people kind of downplay, well, he's not that bad. It's like, dude, why are you even investing your time listening to somebody who's not a sound teacher? Um, obvious lies, okay, yeah, we can see that. But you also see it in things like when, when, you, watch a, um, uh, when the, you watch a believer um, – come under great condemnation um, where they all they can see is their sin mm. and they and they can't seem to break out they're, they're a believer they've been saved they're they're forgiven and yet all they see is their sin uh, they're under the accusation he's the great accuser right but that's just deception because what he's done is he's managed to take your mind and shift it off of truth which is he who believes in my name shall be saved mm-hmm. Um, he's forgiven. He's my, 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 uh, he be the, the father's son. He is, you know, he's kept, he's adopted, he's blessed. Yeah. Nope. None of that is seen. It, it, they bought into the lie and the only answer 
that you can do is you don't go casting out the demon or start pronouncing the blood of Jesus on them. You you have to speak truth back to them. Right. And to that point, it, because it is so subtle because, yeah, he they're telling a lie in that he's shifting their mind away from the fact that they're completely forgiven, but he's making them focus on still on truth, which is that they are a sinner. Yeah. Right. And so it's not like he's giving that over lie. He's still using truth, but he elevates half of it, yeah. which is that you're a great sinner and then suppresses the other half, which is that you're also greatly forgiven. Yeah. Um, so he, he, it's very deceptive in that sense. And so, As a father, when I was raising my children, the greatest sin that would occur in our home was lies. Uh, that, that just, I saw that that was an overt attack, satanic attack, if you will, um, within our home was, was a love of untruth. And so we tried to address that early on and aggressively and with no apology is that we cannot tolerate this because it's at the very core of satanic, the satanic work. If, if we start to believe lies and we start to wink at lies and play with lies and truth is not that important, what we've done, again, is we've been deceived by Satan and we're starting to walk in a way that we cannot. You know, the, the life of a, a Christian home should be one that truth is exalted uh, so that you're not playing into his schemes right. again. Yeah. Right? Um, so we'll, we'll talk next time about powers and limitations. Um, But until then, what should they do? They should tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. And as always, tell your friends. 